Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Season 3 of Bit Party, a show where we take minor details from popular movies and use them to create ideas for new movies that we then sell to Hollywood for $4 million. This week, we watch a clown make a pencil disappear. This is The Dark Knight. Thank you for tuning in to Season 3 of Bit Party. My name is Brendan Cotta. My name is Jared Cotta. And I'm Marshall Cotta. Welcome back, Cotta Brothers. Yeah, it's good to be back. Back for Season hey. 3. After a long summer off. Yep. Back in front of the mic, doing what we do best. How did it feel not to have to edit for a while? Uh, well, I, I've been editing. We've been doing lots of Bit Party Goes to the Movies, and we've been doing a bunch of uh, shorts and... I haven't had that much time off, but no. <laughs> long those shorter those shorter episodes are easier for me to do than the than the long bit parties. But that's good. Nothing is more fun mm. than pitching our own movies for four million dollars, and the just the the thought of maybe one day getting one of those picked up <laughs> is keeping me going. <laughs> First, what I want to do is Marshall, you're back. Yes, season three but your role has not changed. Will you please tell the audience which movie we watched this time? To kick off season three, we watched The Dark Knight. Why so serious? Let's put a smile on that face. The Dark Knight is the second installment in Christopher Nolan's Batman series, and it is widely considered one of the better films of the 20,008 year. <laughs> yes. And perhaps beyond that. But we'll, we'll, we'll move into that in just a second. Uh, I, have a lot, I have a lot to say yep, about yep. The Dark Knight, and I have a lot to say about, about our movie pitches. Yeah, no, me too. I'm yes. excited for this. So before we get into that, let's do something a little different because it's the first episode of season three. Let's hear what everybody's been doing in their off season, and very quickly tell me what you've the best thing you've watched in the off season. Oh, and good why. one. Yeah. yeah. So so Marshall, tell me what you have been doing when we haven't been making bit parties. I have started uh, composing more music. Wow. Really? Yes. And what kind of genre of uh, music are you making? I, I am under the impression that it's probably emo rock. Is <laughs> that the bad boy? Am I am I uh, assessing this correctly? So close, Knew so it. close. <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm still <laughs> still trying my hand at uh, more classical pieces. So it's all uh, two two hand piano pieces. Um, fun <laughs> minuet I'm stuff. I'm more of a three hand pianist <laughs> myself. What's your stage name? Right now, it's got to be Emo Bach. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Bach of ages. (laughs) Well, that's really cool, Marsh. Composing music, none of which you've sent over to us to put into our bit parties. What is the best thing you've watched in the off-season? So, before I had brought up that we were watching Blacklist, that is coming to a close. Uh, So, we... Picked up Boston Legal, which is kind of the uh, the the prequel uh, with uh, James Spader. 
So it's super it's just cool. a natural progression. Yeah, it is. It truly is. It really is the prequel, right? It, That's, it's canon. It's canon that it's the prequel, yeah. At the end of Boston Legal, he shaves his head. Bill Shatner is murdered. <laughs> I want the internet to really know that this is the whole origin story of Blacklist. <laughs> Brennan, I'd like to know what you've been doing. I mean, we live together, so I, I watch you doing it, but you wanted to tell the audience. <laughs> I'm really glad you asked, because I'm very excited about my new project. Oh, okay. Kind of working off the success of a video game that came out earlier this year, Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh-huh. I mm. have been writing and building my own Kingdom Hearts game, but this one is based off of DreamWorks characters instead. Wow. It Great is idea. sexual. I was going to say... A lot of Shrek and zero restraint. (laughs) I feel like we've revolutionized eroticism in video games. I'm terrified. (laughs) Brennan, what is the best thing you've watched in the off-season? So in the off-season, I watched the series about the assassination of Gianni Versace. Uh And it follows partially Versace, but more so his killer, who's Ah. a really weird, messed up guy. Nice. So the acting was fantastic. I think it was cool to see a lot of scenes of, of Miami. Nice. Places that I know. That's fantastic. Okay, well, let me tell you what I've been doing uh, since I didn't have to edit Bit Party as hard. <laughs> I have been <laughs> working on a graphic novel. Oh. It's called Florida Man. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it follows our unlikely hero, Florida Man. <laughs> as he does some incredibly <laughs> insane shit. And his superpowers are all derived from his addiction to bath salts. That sounds like a great... <laughs> oh, it's nice. going to be amazing. <laughs> but he's a hero. He's like an anti-hero. This, is, this reminds me a lot of the movie we watched for this I was going to say, he's, he's pretty much the hero that Florida deserves. <laughs> <laughs> Just to say, not much of a hero at all. I have been watching, the best thing that I watched over the offseason was the show on Netflix called Russian Doll. Oh, yeah. That was really cool. Yeah, I've heard uh, great things about that show. It wasn't too preachy, which I liked, oh, even though true. it was like, it had a message and it had, uh, you know, what the the woman, she comes back every time she dies because she has like a purpose. Oh, and I so see. It can, okay. It, it could very easily have gone into that weird kind of metaphysical, like, do you have like a real purpose? It didn't get overly preachy about it. That's good. Um, but That's the good. acting, Natasha Leon is... Honestly, so awesome in this uh, in this show. Uh, she really like steals it. You know, I, I do agree that my Florida Man graphic novel is a great segue to the film that we embarked on for this first episode of Bit Party Season Three, The Dark Knight, and like I said before, sort of considered the top of the trilogy. Yep. For Christopher yep. Nolan, for a long time, considered one of his best films. Definitely. And will forever be considered Heath Ledger's best film. Yeah. I don't yeah. know about you guys, but it's it's been a while since I'd seen this movie. Since maybe 2011. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to, to go back now that this genre is more mainstream. Absolutely. I, this is an interesting film because it pioneered the palatable superhero film. This was the beginning of a broader genre. Yeah. And a, and, a, and a superhero genre for the people. Yeah. We, so we, we really have to credit Christopher Nolan for what he was able to do and accomplish with this film. Although when you when we go back and watch it again, some of those realism you find a little bit silly because because now that we're so accepting of kind of like a little bit of fantastical realism or fantasy yeah. realism, 
it's like, oh, you know, you could have stretched it out a little bit mm-hmm. more. Definitely. Um, but obviously, Definitely. like I yeah. said, this is a groundbreaking film for uh, for the box office. And, you know, it starts with, as as I read, all of the Batman trilogy starts with the supervillain being just one of the cronies. Oh, Pretending to That's be a crony. True. And it happens in all three of the oh. Batmans. We're introduced to the Joker in kind of a, a twisted way. He is joining a group of no-name villains, or no-name henchmen, to rob this bank. And this bank is used by the mobs of Gotham City uh-huh. to store their cash and to launder their money. I'm betting the Joker told you to kill me as soon as we loaded the cash. No, 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 no. I killed the bus driver. This is how he gets the attention of Batman. Yeah. It is around this time that we're introduced to Harvey Dent, who I would refer to as Walmart Jamie Lannister. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Gotham's new district attorney. Whoever the Batman is, he doesn't want to do this for the rest of his life. How could he? Batman is looking for someone to take up his mantle. Someone like you, Mr. Dent? Maybe. He's kind of a rogue district attorney. He's really trying to go after these organized crime bosses. And it just so happens that he is dating Bruce Wayne's ex-girlfriend, Rachel Dawes. Big mistake. Very important recasting decision (laughs) here. Because I think that everybody was a little disappointed that Maggie Gyllenhaal had taken over this role. And I don't want to be so mean, but while she is a lovely woman... She is, and a fantastic actress. And a fantastic actress. She is not as attractive as these characters in the film are are trying to convince us that she is. Yes, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they could have easily sacrificed a little bit of her talent Mm. as an actress to give us somebody that we would realistically believe Bruce Wayne, billionaire, that's dating all these models would drop that lifestyle to go out with. Yeah, and and drop that lifestyle and the Batman cow. Right, right, to to give in everything. Yeah. Yeah. You could tell that this was written for Katie Holmes, stupidest person of 2008 Katie Holmes, (laughs) (laughs) because she dropped this role to play with Queen Latifah in Mad Money, which made no money at all. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to dwell too long on it because it's kind of mean, but I think that this was one, one big criticism of this film. Back to what's going on in Gotham City. So there is a corrupt Chinese accountant that has promised the mob bosses that he is going to get the money back from the Joker. Right? No. I honestly don't know. (laughs) I honestly don't know what actually happens. (laughs) This is something that you and I were talking about afterwards. It's like... You have to keep track of Bruce Wayne's whole shit, the mob shit, and Joker's convoluted plan. And there's yeah. got to be some dropped lines there I'm somewhere. So, I'm so sorry, audience. I honestly don't know what happens <laughs> or why why this Chinese accountant man is um, is involved at all in the in the. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of plot points that are dropped and like motivations that are unclear. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and skip around that part because I don't really understand. All I can tell you is there is a scene, very important scene. Joker comes in, he threatens all the mob bosses, he kills a guy with a pencil. Ta-da! It's it's gone. 
bunch of shit is happening, and I have no idea what the actual plot of this movie is. Skip to the Batman beating <laughs> up the clown person. <laughs> well, first, Batman has to go to Hong Kong, and then he has to bring the accountant back, and only when he gets the accountant back can they press charges against all the mob bosses. <laughs> and then that is when the mob bosses hire the Joker, because he promises that he can get Batman to give throw in the towel. And... It's kind of around this time that the Joker, he invades this event that Batman is throwing. And that's when you get that first interaction between those two. Let her go. Very poor choice of words. <laughs> I, I feel like Christopher going. Nolan underestimated how badly we just wanted to see Heath Ledger do the silly voice. We do not care about mm-hmm. all this writing that he did. We don't need all this bullshit about money laundering and accountants and, and crime and stopping crime. Batman's here to stop crime. Yep. Harvey Dent kind of is supposed to be the authority, the elected authority that can prevent crime in Gotham. And that would allow Batman to stop having to be Batman and he could be with Rachel Dawes. Yeah. And because Harvey Dent is targeting the mob, they become desperate enough to go with someone who's clearly out of his mind. Way unhinged. I'm an agent of chaos. (laughs) The way that he gets to Batman is he kidnaps, he hires people to kidnap Harvey Dent and Rachel Dawes. And at that same time, he allows himself to be captured, he being the Joker. Yes. So the Joker is in custody, but he's already arranged this horrible plan where he's put the two people that mean the most to Gotham or Batman in very separate places with bombs. And Batman has to make a choice of who to save. Depending on the time, he may be in one spot or several and he very clearly he chooses Rachel Dawes, of but the problem is is that the Joker has flipped the locations. Yeah. And so he actually ends up saving Harvey Dent. However, Harvey Dent had accidentally knocked over his chair that he was tied to and got a bunch of oil on his face. <laughs> and that's the origin story of Two-Face in this universe. And it's it's really good. I, again, like this is a Batman. This is a version of Batman that's supposed to be as realistic as possible. Yeah. This I think was a really unique way to bring about that character to originate that character. I agree. Because we always had like the Bat of Acid or like some some weird crazy thing that happened that turned him hmm. into Two Face. Yeah. Now Batman is here with two problems. Actually, I should say he has three problems. Is the Joker that's a psychopath. He has a collapsing mental state of Harvey Dent that's supposed to be the the white knight of Gotham. Yeah. And he has this asshole lawyer that has found out that he's actually Batman that works for Wayne Enterprises. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So he's got a lot of problems going on. And it's at this exact time that the Joker realizes that if he gets rid of Batman, he doesn't have a purpose in life. I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, no. You complete me. What does he do? He says the individual that's going to reveal Batman's, the identity of Batman, has to be killed or he's going to start blowing up hospitals. That part is wild. This is So I wouldn't bring this part up, but this is why it's actually important. So while everybody's evacuating the hospital, that's how he's able to get to Harvey Dent. Yeah. And we come upon the most important scene in the whole movie, which is when he's in Harvey Dent's hospital room and he's wearing a little mask to cover his nose and mouth and it's not until he removes that little mask that harvey dent realizes it's a joker (laughs) even though he's got green hair 
and and white face and black paint all around his eyes. <laughs> and it's the greatest scene in movie history. Which leads to the question, what is Harvey Dent's usual nurse? Like? <laughs> the Joker's whole thing is like dismantling societal norms. So yeah. by taking, like, he convinces Harvey that you have been the white knight of Gotham for this long. Yeah. And look where it's gotten you. You lost your loved one and you your like face. lost your face. Yeah. And I'm here still. Yeah. Now this is really important. Now now shit's hitting the fan. And Batman has to find the Joker. Otherwise, he knows that things are going to go really bad for, for Gotham. Yeah. And he's going to reveal that Harvey Dent's a crazy person. And he's going to kill a bunch of people. He's got a bunch of hostages. And he's put two bombs on these ferries that are evacuating the city. Every single movie includes... All of Gotham trying to get the <laughs> fuck out of the city. It's so ridiculous. Like, that's always like a plot point is everybody evacuating Gotham at the same damn time. And nobody knows what, hell, what the hell's going on. And there's a bomb on the bridge. <laughs> You'd think they would learn by now. Anyways, I want to also say that what Batman uses to find the Joker is this big panel of sonar attached cell phone feeds. That lets him see all around the city. It's basically Facebook. <laughs> he has everybody's data. He's looking at it, what everybody's doing. He can see inside everybody's houses. Having Lucius Fox, having Morgan Freeman's character be so uncomfortable with it, mm -hmm. made an interesting point in that the Joker didn't get him to break his rule about killing, but he did make him go to like some horrible drastic measures. Yeah, very true. He's spying on the entire population. That's a, that's a very good point. Which was illegal in 2008. But highly <laughs> profitable right now. <laughs> Pretty normal right now. We're not nearly as put off as Morgan Freeman was by the capabilities of this technology. Spying on 30 million people isn't part of my job description. Regardless. 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 Batman is able to track down the Joker. They have a, a go at each other. They, they fight. They're battling it out. Batman apprehends the Joker. But the movie is not over. Oh. Yeah, no. Did I forget not. something? You have, because Two-Face is out there on the city, and he's fucking killing a bunch oh, yeah. of people. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, he's flipping the coin. But Two-Face has gone too far this time, and he has captured Commissioner Gordon and his family. But all of a sudden, Batman shows up, kicks him in the chest, <laughs> and Two-Face is dead. He does kill yeah. Two-Face. He does. Oh, yeah. He breaks his one rule. You're right. The problem is... If anybody finds out that Harvey Dent had kind of gone off the rails, then they're no longer going to be able to charge the crime bosses. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of also wraps up the crazy storyline that Christopher Nolan has woven into the background <laughs> behind the Joker and Batman battling it out, which is something about a district attorney and the legal system. And him being the one thing holding <laughs> this city together. Yeah, and him being the, the only person that can actually keep... It's ridiculous. But in order to... Keep that lie. Batman is, as we know, the hero that they deserve. He's willing to take on that burden mm -hmm. and run from the cops for an extended period of time until he's needed again to fight Bane. Despite the fact that if you pin all of Harvey's crimes on him, it makes no sense. Yeah, despite <laughs> there being a ton of evidence that would suggest that that is ludicrous. Doesn't matter. That's not the point. Easily able to convince police of Gotham that Batman is actually a villain that killed Harvey Dent. Because it's the hero Gotham deserves. But not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt him. 
confusing. He's complex, much like Florida Man. Yes, he's very complex like Florida Man, and that's why we love this film. And, you know, again, I, I don't want to get too in the weeds with the plot, <laughs> because then we miss out on all the dope things that the Joker does and says, and all of the ass-kicking that Batman puts on yeah. the, the villains. Yeah. And honestly, you know, the scene where the Joker is trying to capture Harvey Dent, he's in the semi, he's rolling in the semi. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Dent is in the back of an armored yeah. vehicle. And Batman is, like, chasing him on the motorcycle. Yeah. On the Batcycle. That's still one of, like, the dopest scenes in movies. You see where they flip the truck? Yeah, when he flips the truck and it, like, catches and it flips the truck over, I was like, that's still, that still holds up. That that's holds up. fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Everything about this movie... I think is still really cool. Is it still the best superhero movie of all time? Mm. Debatable, but it's it was the original and it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my favorite scene: the whole interaction with Batman and the Joker when he's in the interrogation room. Yeah, mm -hmm. is intense. That's a good scene, and I love it. And I love that the Joker removes all of his power by not being beaten into submission. Yeah, but my favorite part is that Christopher Nolan does go to a lot of effort to make this. Like, oh, this is serious. Oh, yeah. This isn't the comic books that you're used to. This is like a dark world where this happens to take place. So you have a lot of shots of all these cops on the outside watching a man in a costume beat up a clown as if that's just normal. Yeah. <laughs> that's just like a part of their job. I really like that. I like thinking about that, but it's funny how realistic he tries to make it. <sighs> We're trying hard to avoid talking too much about the accomplishments of the Marvel Universe. Sure, yeah. Because it's easy to do a comparison, and, and it's a pretty lopsided victory in favor of Marvel, of the MCU. Definitely. Especially after Zack Snyder got his hands <laughs> on. Like, his aesthetic is almost entirely the same, but just worse. Yeah, Jared and I have taken to calling him... Nolan. We've taken to calling him the stupid man's Christopher Nolan. <laughs> He's a stupid version of Christopher Nolan. In a, in a parallel universe, Christopher Nolan doesn't know how to write <laughs> or direct. And he's Zack Snyder. To get to what the point that I was trying to make is that the MCU is doing a good job of being real, but able to include the mysticism and the fant fantasy and superheroes and the supernatural like, like even once they got to superman they could they tried to maintain the dc universe tried to maintain that same tone yeah and it's like literally impossible they backed that horse so hard of like this is dark and gritty and real we just have these people with powers mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i think that that was sort of a mistake i think it worked very well in the dark knight and especially in 2008 sure but i think that it actually set dc up for some challenges in the future when they tried to maintain that thematic aesthetic. Yeah. And if, if we're getting into it just a little bit, just, just to talk yeah. about it a little bit, one of, the, one of the most glaring problems that I noticed now is that there's very little effort put on the hero, and for a large part, the people around the hero, and all of the emphasis is on the villain. You know, Bruce Wayne's biggest character trait is that he has restraint. He has enough restraint not to, like, drink at the party. He doesn't date Rachel. He's obviously a very disciplined man, but that's not exciting. That's why you live for the scenes with yeah. the Joker. Then the MCU steps in and gives you Iron Man, who's a very flawed person, uh, Captain America, who's pretty rigid, Thor, who's flawed. Like, it just makes things more interesting. That was what I was sort of talking about with you after we watched this film, is that Marvel has leaned very heavily on the personalities of their heroes. Yep. And DC, at least in their 
cinematic representations, they lean very heavily on their villains yes. to bring the personality yeah. and to bring yeah. the, the the fire. They're almost scared to give their heroes issues that aren't also like kind of cool. You know, I agree with that. Yeah. Sorry, Marsh, we kind of skipped over. Is there any part of this movie that that you wanted to talk about that you really? Um, Jared. Uh, grazed over it a little bit. I really enjoyed the scene with the uh, fairies that evacuating the city. Oh yeah, because it just showed the humanity of everyone on the boats. I think what was really cool, especially, was on the boat with the prisoners when the bigger guy stood up and just you know threw the detonator out the window. Oh, the bigger guy? You mean Debo? Yeah. Big yeah. fan. You mean President Debo in Fifth, <laughs> in fifth Element? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a bit party favorite for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. That Tiny Lister is awesome. And, uh, and his, his role in this film is, it is one of the more impactful moments. And we expect nothing less from, from Debo. No. He's a good, good-hearted, kind-hearted man who eventually becomes president of the universe. <laughs> and that is a Fifth Element reference, and you should watch that movie and then listen to, uh, Bit Party. Bit Party, yeah, Fifth, Fifth Element. Element. Yeah, if you haven't already. Yeah. Besides Devo also being in Fifth Element, Gary Oldman is also a crossover for that movie. So that, those th- these two movies clearly exist in the same universe. I just realized that right now. Let's see him and Gary Oldman. He just slips Gary into Oldman. a role. Dope. You're so cool, man. <laughs> Wish you'd be on our podcast, man. <laughs> Standing invitation. That would be so cool. I think that that covers most of the... Yeah, I think you did a really good job. I mean, Christopher Nolan is is notorious for having a difficult-to-explain plot. Christopher Nolan is notorious for having movies with plots so difficult that you seem dumb if you don't, if you admit that you don't get it. <laughs> like, Inception is everybody's favorite movie, but nobody knows what the fuck's going on in that no. movie. <laughs> Memento, trust me, you won't get it. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry. Christopher Nolan's just like, shush, 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 shush. Every time it's in black and white, just so everybody knows, every time it's in black and white, that's actually a memory. God, I forgot about that movie. It's a good movie. It's terribly confusing, but yeah. You know what I am? I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. Okay, so I was able to stumble through that plot. Not my best work, but, you know, I'm a little rusty after coming out of the break. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it is now that time again where we are going to pitch our uh, movies using the bit part characters that stole our hearts. And since this is the first episode of the third season. Brendan, you want to give a little context to what we're doing and what we hope will become of these movie pitches? Absolutely. For anyone who forgot or any first-time listeners, we're now going to focus in on a minor part, a bit part in this movie, and pitch a whole new movie about this character that uh, has to fit in the same universe but could have nothing to do with the original storyline. And then we will try uh, sell that movie to Hollywood for the reasonable price of $4 million. Yeah, and $4 million is all we ask, and it's no more, no less, no plus more, no less. a 3% merchandise agreement. Yes. And we also usually ask for a cameo role in the upcoming film. Yeah, that would be that would be great. So $4 million, because this was originally us four brothers, uh, Landis quit the show. Uh, very suddenly. Yep. And uh, so now what we do is we split it up. 
1.25 million for the three of us that are still on the show and $250,000 for Landis uh, because he is he still has his shares. He's a shareholder He's in Kata Industries. So anyways, we haven't forgot about your betrayal, Landis, but um, <laughs> we are going to press on. We continue to press on without you. And uh, we're honestly doing better than ever. Yeah. Definitely don't listen to your new podcast. Yeah. Bitch party. <laughs> <laughs> Such a softball. (laughs) Anyways, time to get to the pitches. Marshall, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I I will go first. Okay. All right. So, my bit part is going to be Lucius Fox, played by Morgan Freeman. He is uh, Wayne Enterprises' sort of lead engineer. and uh, makes all of his gadgets as well for him. Yeah, makes all of Batman's gadgets. That's awesome. Oh, that's a good bit part character, Marsh. Okay, so now hit me with your bit part movie. I'm kind of considering doing a plot almost like the Theory of Everything did with uh, Stephen Hawking. And uh, just, okay, just, okay. just kind of going through his life and seeing what uh, how he did in, in like his time at the university and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it'd be really neat to see his adventure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that that would be pretty cool, and it, it could also lead up to his um, eventually meeting a, uh, I guess it wouldn't be necessarily Bruce Wayne, but it would meet no. Bruce Wayne as a kid under his uh, his father's yeah. company. Yeah, at some point That's he had right. to have met and interacted with Thomas Wayne, and I think that would be an interesting uh, interesting thing to see. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I like that one. I like that one. All right. My bit part character is going to be Lau. And he doesn't have a last name, even though I looked all over the internet for it. <laughs> he is the creative accountant that first approaches the mob bosses and tells them that he can launder their money. And he's also the one that Bruce Wayne flies to Hong Kong for to extradite back to the U.S. Oh, okay, so yeah, that, yeah. That guy, that poor guy. Well, my movie that I'm pitching is about his time in China. And in China... He is a supervillain, not quite as crazy as the Joker, but he fights against their version of Batman. (laughs) I don't have a name for that Batman yet or that superhero, but I I certainly believe China must have equivalent superheroes. It could be a DC Universe thing still. It's a superhero movie all the same, but it's just set in Hong Kong. That's cool. I think that'd be really cool. It'd give us a lot of opportunity to kind of make our own superhero. Yeah. I like that one. Here's my idea. Throughout the movie that we watched, uh, Alfred is kind of helping Bruce Wayne by telling him this story about a time when he was in Burma and their caravan kept getting robbed. And they come to find out that it's being robbed by this person. He just doesn't care about money. He just wants to watch the world burn. He's comparing this person to the Joker. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. I think an interesting movie would be a young Alfred Pennyworth going through the jungles of Burma and then trying to hunt down this madman who's robbing them. Okay. All right. So your your bit part character is, is Alfred. Yes. And that is an interesting, not necessarily, I guess, an origin story, but a, a look back in the past as at Alfred when he was a part of some British battalion. <laughs> yeah, when they were going around depressing Colonizing. Uh, yeah. Southeast Asia. But, well, okay. We all have some pretty good movies to select here. I, I think that this is going to be kind of a difficult choice. Our bit part characters are uh, Lucius Fox and an origin story about him. We have Lao, the Chinese accountant, and his 
supervillain antics in Hong Kong where he fights Chinese Batman. And finally, we have Alfred in Burma uh, and his encounter with the world-burning thief. Yeah. Okay. I think that we need to put it to a vote. Brennan? Actually, let's start with Marshall. You're just going to vote for yours, Brent. I always do. <laughs> oh, Marshall, who do, who do you think we should go with? I like Brendan's. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, how much did he pay you? <laughs> well, that's two for me. <laughs> All right, here's the thing. Brent, I like yours kind of, but the thing that I like about mine is that it's still including superheroes. Okay. So do you think if we do yours, will you promise me that it becomes a superhero movie that we can save the DC franchise with. You have my word. All right, Brent. Superheroes and Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> if you promise that, then, um, all right. Let's, let's do uh, Alfred Goes to Burma. Some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Brennan. Yes. Let's talk about this. Now that we have a direction for our film. Now, the the story that Alfred tells in Dark Knight is he, with a bunch of his British soldiers, Mm -hmm. obviously colonizing Southeast Asia. Obviously, yeah. It's it's uncomfortable, but yeah. And they're stealing a bunch of diamonds from the locals. (laughs) And there's some Robin Hood figure that's stealing the diamonds back from them. Or so they think. Yes. Because what he's actually doing is he's just sort of messing with them and wants to watch the world burn and he wants to torture these soldiers. Yes. Yeah. I think that that is really cool and that you know, that alone would be a very interesting story. But we need to find a way to introduce some of the DC characters into it. So do you have an idea or a concept that is similar to Alfred's story but that is the real truth is including superheroes. I think that because this one has to take place before the Batman storyline, yeah, the best choice for me would be someone from like the Green Lantern's Corps, where it's not necessarily Hal Jordan, it's just someone who's held that mantle before. It sounds like Green Lantern would be a good decision. Also because he was originally Alan Scott, when the comic first came out, and it's sort of in the time frame that Alfred would be in Burma. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so, okay. So if if that's the direction that you want to go, we can do a Green Lantern semi-reboot. If if we are going to follow the, the framework of Marvel's success, we should set up a franchise with sort of an unlikely character, like the Green Lantern, who's already failed miserably. 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 Yeah. Come back with a decent Green Lantern story that is uh, going to eventually lead up into epic movies about the Justice League. Okay, so Brennan, set the scene for me in Burma. Alfred is a young man in this group traveling through dense, mysterious Burmese forest. Mm -hmm. There's danger potentially on all sides. This is where he's learning to be the badass that we know he is from DC Comics. Mm -hmm. But, like you said, they're obviously British colonizers not doing the best, most pure things in that area. So Alfred is kind of naive to what's really going on. There could perhaps be a more insidious plot behind what they're doing in Burma. I think that would make sense. Okay, yeah, I, I think that that's cool. If if I may recommend this, that the the British soldiers that are going through Burma 
are carrying a super weapon. This group of colonists is trying to maybe, I I don't know, whatever colonists do and use super weapons for, obviously take over countries. So it doesn't have to be anything more than that. They're using the super weapon, but it has caught the eye of some very powerful villains. And You don't mean. Yes, I might. (laughs) Depends on what you mean. (laughs) If it's going to be a Green Lantern movie, then it most likely has to have... The Sinestro Corps. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Green Lantern's greatest uh, arch rivals, Sinestro. That makes a lot of sense. I think that while Sinestro Corps could easily go and overpower these soldiers, they don't want to expose themselves. So they've hired a mercenary. So as I'm trying, I'm racking my brain for any kind of mercenary that DC has that could be hired by Sinestro Corps. Marshall, do you have anybody in mind that you think Mm -hmm. could be Mm -hmm. working for them? I do. Deathstroke, maybe? Okay, that actually is a good one, and I like that because it ties in Batman's storyline. Yeah. Because he's a villain for Batman, and it ties everything together to Justice League. Before we go any further into sort of the plot, I mean, I've been kind of pushing us to cast the movie a little bit sooner so that we, our audience can visualize the individuals that are... Yeah, we're telling a story here. Yeah, we're telling a story here. Right off the bat, Marshall, you were talking to me off mic. Who do you think could play a young Alfred? I was thinking we go with Eddie Redmayne, star of uh, Fantastic Beasts. He was also, he played uh, Marius in the Les Mis Rob movie. So he's pretty British already. He's got, yeah, yeah. Pretty British. He's got the right look for it. I'm looking at him now and he's he's very skinny. He's a, he yeah. might have to put on just a little bit of muscle to where it's like still surprising, but believable that he could be this uh, this crazy fighter. Well, I think that all of these characters are going to have to to beefcake up a little bit, right? <laughs> this is a hot beefcake movie. It's a hot beefcake, steamy forest movie. <laughs> All right, so Alfred is with this caravan. He's riding on these trucks with these other British soldiers. Very British. Very British. It's a very British... It starts off with a lot of British humor. <laughs> right off the bat, really dry. And unbeknownst to Alfred, he's carrying a super weapon. As Deathstroke comes into the scene, and he starts kind of like cutting up some of the soldiers and messing up their routes, mm-hmm. that's when Alfred kind of is like, oh my god, like we're, we're in danger, and this is like a psychopath. What I want to do now is, is cast Deathstroke. He's the next person to show up in this movie. I want to stretch the imagination and change up the, the typical race of our Deathstroke character. So I'm thinking maybe about casting Omar Epps, who was in House. Oh, yeah. You know? Maybe it's because I'm picturing him in his role in House, but he seems just a little bit young to me. And I think what would be believable is a slightly older Deathstroke, because that way he's not falling under the temptation of the wealth that he's collecting. This is just a job to him. He's tossing everything into the river. Deathstroke has almost always been an older, like, portrayed as, like, an older grizzled soldier. Yeah. All right, so who do you think instead? What about Sterling K. Brown? He played Killmonger's father in in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. So he was Prince Njobu. Yes, yeah, in, Prince Njobu. In, in Black Panther, and he's also in the new Predators movie. Yes, yeah. Okay. I feel like he can definitely look dangerous, and, you know, like we said, we're going to turn everyone into a beefcake. I think he could make a really cool kind of jungle deathstroke. Okay, I like that. I like that um, character a lot, or that actor a lot. Somewhere along the line, Alfred needs to encounter the Green Lantern, Alan Scott. And 
he needs to maybe it needs to happen when he is put in a dangerous situation where he is encountering not only Deathstroke but Sinestro. Yeah, that's a good idea. He may prevent him from getting the the weapon that one time, and that's when the Green Lantern shows up and is like, "Do you know what you're actually carrying?" Oh, that would be cool. We don't have to get too much in the details. I feel like I'm weaving a Christopher Nolan-esque <laughs> film about smuggling and colonization and too many messages. And plots symbolism. on plots on plots. The, the, the bottom line is Alfred has to demonstrate that he is actually pure of heart, that he wouldn't choose to hurt people as a colonist. And the Green Lantern realizes this but and decides to team up with him in order to prevent Sinestro and Destro from achieving this weapon so uh, what alfred can try and do is he can try himself to get the the weapon disarmed and diffused the colonists can be threatening to use this ultimate weapon which can maybe hurt green lantern so he has to kind of prevent that from happening alfred can kind of be fighting his officers when it when the time comes there there's probably tons and tons of dope scenes of the rings just like fighting each other yeah yeah uh deathstroke and everybody like battling it out, Alfred doing his part. Well, okay, so let, let's let's quickly cast Green Lantern and Sinestro, because then I have, like, a, a conclusion. Sinestro has always been portrayed as sort of a nerdy individual. He's definitely scrawnier. Like, he kind of has that old-timey villain look where he's, yeah. where he's very thin, got, like, the long mustache. Yeah, so I was thinking a good actor for him would be Christopher Mintz Plassi. I think that's how you say it. Who's that? He was in Superbad and Kick-Ass. Oh, kind of like gangly looking. Oh, yeah, yeah, McLovin. But he's he's grown up a little bit since since Super Bad, and he 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 has still that kind of nerdy look. Uh-huh. He, could, he could grow a little mustache. I think he'd be pretty good in that role. Yeah, and he wasn't kick ass, so we know he has like the superhero chops. The last question, really, to ask before we go into a conclusion is: Who is going to reboot the very dead Green Lantern <laughs> franchise that was unfortunately? killed by Ryan Reynolds. And we're not going to give him another crack. I don't think we should, (laughs) and he's already Deadpool. He's found his hero. You can only be another superhero if you were originally a shitty superhero. Yeah, once you found your good one, that's it. Chris Evans, Ryan Reynolds. As soon as they became a good superhero, then they were like, this is it. Yeah. But who is going to be Green Lantern? Uh, I wanted to pitch him for Alfred, but what about Jonathan Cena? John Cena as the Green Lantern. As the Green Lantern, yeah. Professional wrestler John Cena. (laughs) Wow, that is a... uh, Wow. What do you think? He's the only one who would not need to beefcake up. Yeah. (laughs) He's been beefcaked since, like, the 90s. I mean, I'm I'm just not sure if he (laughs) is exactly the person that we want. (laughs) But man, is he buff. Well, the Green Lantern never went into a battle and was like the buffest one. So it doesn't have That's to true. it doesn't have to be that. What if this franchise was rebooted by James Jimmy Marsden? Jimmy Marsden. Jimmy Marsden, who is in need of a huge boost in his stock since the Sonic movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always liked James Marsden. So so okay, so we have our cast. It comes down to this ultimate battle between Green Lantern and Sinestro and Deathstroke. And I think that Alfred can use that weapon on Sinestro. It is at that time that the weapon is vulnerable. It'd be a good opportunity for Green Lantern, I guess, to destroy it. Yeah. It's, it'll be canon to the story that he's telling uh-huh. Bruce Wayne, even though there's a lot more to it that he just doesn't want to tell Batman. Yeah, yeah. Because he's like, this guy will never believe me that a guy <laughs> with a green ring 
came around in the forest in Burma and yeah. saved. And it's also not applicable people. to what's happening in Gotham now. True, true. It has no. Yeah, that's not important to the story. <laughs> He's leaving out a lot of details, but the real story is that Green Lantern helped him save Southeast Asia. <laughs> that's a story for another time. <laughs> that's a story for another time, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce, we'll get into that another time. But for now, all you need to know is I beat Deathstroke, <laughs> and you can beat the Joker. Very inspirational. Oh, I kind of like. I like this movie. I would see this movie. I, I think mean, it sounds interesting. It's a unique setting for a DC Green Lantern movie. Definitely. You know? Yeah. I don't think, like, Burma, that's the setting for Green Lantern. But you didn't think that Afghanistan was going to be the setting for Iron Man. Yeah, that's true. You gotta take risks like this. You gotta take risks. What's the name of this movie, speaking of risks? Um, Burmese Lantern. The Burmese Lantern? (laughs) Hmm. It's not that it doesn't sum up everything really well. I really liked that it leans towards the Green Lantern angle. So I wanted to read something really quickly that is the the oath that the Green Lanterns swear when they charge up their power rings. Okay. So they say, In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power, Green Lantern's light. Ah. Is there anything there? Well, I think Green Lantern's light is really the... That's the one. Yeah. That's probably the one. I think it's perfect. It, it, it's I think it's cool because it's it's an homage to the story that Alfred tells in Dark Knight, but it is for a completely different superhero. Yes. So we're we're really we're capturing so much. We're being very efficient with our movie pitch. Green, <laughs> Green Lantern's Light, an Alfred Pennyworth tale. Yeah, exactly. The first of it. No, the first, the first, the first Justice Leaguer. The first Justice Leaguer. <laughs> Sorry. That's freaking sick, dude. Yeah, that sounds dope. That's way cool. Green Lantern movie reboot. I mean, Green Lantern's a cool superhero. It sucks that his movie was so awful, but yeah. that's what we come to expect right. with that's DC. It. I mean, they were doing it well, well before even Zack Snyder got a hold of the movies. They were bombing. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Zack Snyder didn't make the franchise bad. He just perfected making it bad, like an art. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? Um, There's really only one thing left to do now, which is to promise the audience how we're going to spend our $1.25 million. Because once the studio pays us, we have a personal objective to spend it as quickly and as frivolously as possible. That's how we avoid taxes. I believe that that is how the IRS works. <laughs> if you're good at something, never do it for free. What would you guys do with your $1.25 million? For this movie, much like our last movie, I honed in on the fact that a yacht was prominently featured. But unlike with Thor Ragnarok, where mine's going to be an orgy yacht, this will be my adventure yacht. Yeah, and we we see the adventure yacht appear in Bruce Wayne's life when he takes the whole uh, Russian ballet cr- mm-hmm. troupe yeah. to, like, the south of France. Yeah, I don't know how they get there, but it's... Yeah. So it's not not an orgy yacht. <laughs> yeah, let's be clear. This could still be used for orgies. It's not explicitly against the rules. No. But, but this is your second yacht, and it's less... Slightly less orgies. Slightly less orgy-oriented. Yes. (laughs) Interesting choice. Okay, I like that. Marshall, what are you going to do with your $1.25 Now, now quick question for Brendan, though. 
would this oh, boat yeah. have a would this boat have a name? You know, I've been giving this a lot of thought. And yeah, um, good, good. I think I would call it Chadwick Boatman. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh After the famed Black Panther actor Chadwick Boseman. There you uh, go. Okay, I think that would go. be a nice, yeah, nice tribute to him. Very nice. Okay, Marshall, that was a good question. Uh, now, now back to you on your uh, use of your 1.25. So with my 1.25 million, you guys remember the uh, the balloon that Bruce uses to uh, stra- uh, to connect to the plane? Yeah, that was a cool scene. What you mean when he extradites Lao? That that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he needs to he needs to get on a plane without it landing. That's it. So I would get uh, 1.25 million dollars worth of those balloons. Might be one. It might be a few. Uh, but yeah, I think that'd be a cool a cool thing. It's a good idea. Yeah, you'd never have to wait in a TSA line ever again. No, oh, you right? live next to an international airport. You get anywhere. <laughs> Beautiful, great idea. What about uh, you, Jared? What are you doing with your with your millions? I don't have a really great idea for mine. Uh, I think I'm gonna do that wall of cell phones that Bruce Wayne sets up for <laughs> Lucius Fox. I'm just gonna have a wall of cell phones in my room with the sonar capability that I didn't know cell phones had <laughs> turned to on just in case turn to on yeah turn them to on so I can keep an eye on the city around me you have no problems with that unlike that coward Lucius Fox I, I don't have any problems with invading people's privacy whatsoever <laughs> I mean all of our favorite companies do it constantly yeah I can guarantee you that if I look on Instagram later there's going to be an advertisement for the Batman trilogy on Blu-ray, <laughs> just because we've been talking about it so much. That's probably true. They're probably going to try and offer me the uh, original Green Lantern movie on Blu-ray as well. God help <laughs> us. Scroll through that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I have no problem with it. I'd like to set it up myself, and maybe I won't have quite as many. Yeah, yeah. You My walls aren't as ones. big as the warehouse. Scale <laughs> Scale something back. sensible. You want something, something sensible. Like a thousand. <laughs> a thousand little cell phones with the sonar turned on. <laughs> It's a good idea, yeah. Honestly, there's not really anything else to do. I mean, this was uh, this was a fun film to do at the start of season three, and we're gonna have a freaking killer new season. We're still breaking the rust off, and that's why we go with these Batman movies because I actually don't know why. It's really hard. <laughs> They're really no, hard. Really yeah. hard. <laughs> we should not, do not more Christopher, Christopher Nolan movies. Not only is Christopher Nolan very difficult to summarize, <laughs> but we do these movies with superhero characters that already have an infinite <laughs> amount of canon about them. So no matter what we say, there's no way we're getting it right by the internet standards. <laughs> might as well get the hard one out of the way. Yeah, if we're going to do bad yeah, anyway, we yeah. might as well do a hard movie. <laughs> yeah, if we're going to have a bad podcast, we might as well start through it. But... Uh, Honestly, I don't see any uh, any other thing to do now but uh, sign off. All right. Thank you all for listening. For Bit Party and the Cotta Brothers, I'm Brendan Cotta. I'm Jared Cotta. And I'm Marshall Cotta. Look out for Green Lantern's Light, coming to a theater near you. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, check us out on Spotify, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at BitPartyPod. If you'd like to send us an email, we're BitPartyPod at gmail.com. BitParty now has t-shirts available. 
Just go on Amazon and search Kata Brothers to grab yours now. This episode was produced by the very talented T. Coop. You can check out his music on Spotify and on his website. Just go to tcoopmia.com. That's T-C-O-O-P-M-I-A.com. Tune in next time when we explore government secrets in New Jersey. Until then, we're the Cotter Brothers. And this has been Bit Party. Our ode to the bit parts that stole our hearts.